Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ermia Matters. I am Jenny Whittington, and Ermia's executive director, and pleased to be doing this podcast remotely in our new normal world. I have two wonderful guests with me, Lou Drapeau on the Ermia staff and Brian Burns. And I am going to turn it over first to Brian to give a little history about his involvement with Ermia and higher edu- his path in higher education risk management. So welcome, Brian. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, I'm glad to be here, even if it's remote. <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in higher education risk management since 2003. Uh, I've been in higher education my entire professional life. I had a co-op job at Northeastern University that I kept for 27 or 28 years. So I was very lucky in that regard and have been a member of Ermia since 2003. And I wouldn't be a successful risk manager without the uh, membership of Ermia supporting me. So I'm very glad to be here. So explain to me the co-op. What does that, what does that mean? What, what did you, how did you do that? Uh, uh, Northeastern is a uh, cooperative education school and it, it provides an experiential part of your, of your academic career by giving you a job, you actually become an employee of another company for a period of six months at a time. And you actually go out and work for that other company and you take those, take the lessons you learn in school and apply them to your job and take the lessons you learn in your job and apply it to your schoolwork as you go on. So it, it really gives, uh, it, it really gives uh, you the opportunity to gain the experience while you're getting your education. So it's a really good model. That's great. Now I know I believe you have your JD, correct? I do. I Is do. that from Northeastern as well? No. After I graduated Northeastern, I, I took a job with Northeastern full time, and I had always wanted to go to law school. So I had made the promise to myself I'd work for a year and then go back to law school, or I'd get into a law school at night and go at night. So I was lucky enough to get into Suffolk University Law School at night my first year, and I did my four years expecting to leave higher education and go work and practice as an attorney. And that was a big year for economic downturn, and the courts all closed and you know, did away with clerkships, and the law, the law practices were all downsizing. So I stayed where I was. I had a good job. And tell, tell me about your position now. So now I'm the uh, Director of Compliance and Risk Management at Wentworth Institute of Technology, which is right next door to Northeastern. I uh, left Northeastern a few years back and came over here to Wentworth and saved about seven blocks on my commute. <laughs> you know, Wentworth is another co- cooperative education school. It's a, it's a uh, small to medium-sized technology institute, and uh, it's really a good place to be. How many students are at Wentworth? We're about 4,400. We hope to be about 4,400 in the fall, but we, we're about 4,400 uh, total total enrollment. Awesome. Well, thanks for that little introduction about yourself. And Lou, I will turn it to you as well. Lou is a you know part of the staff here. He's one of our subject matter experts and serves as our resource manager. So Lou, give our, our listeners a little bit of Lou history. Okay, I came to higher education risk management a little bit later in my career than most people. I started out as a municipal risk manager, and then I was the uh, risk manager for a supplier to the auto industry and uh, retired from there. And then I was director of risk management for the University of Kentucky from November 2003 to November 2015. Uh, I've been an ERMIA member since 2003. And the thing I particularly enjoyed about Ermia was that the, the conferences, because they were directed right at higher education, which was uh, 
perfect for me being new to higher education and learning a lot of new tricks. Great. Okay. Before we dive into the risk inventory, I forgot to ask Brian his favorite Ermia conference. So can you share which, which was your favorite Ermia conference, Brian? Geez, I know the first one I went to was really good. And that was, that was Charleston. And that was, you know, I, I learned so much in that one. It was, it was excellent. San Diego sticks out too. Charleston was my first Ermia conference too. Oh, I didn't know we no, had that in common. There we go. Now we joined at the hip. <laughs> How about you, Lou? I may have asked you that when, in our other interview, but I can't re- recall. Actually, I didn't get to go to a lot of Ermia conferences my first few years at University of Kentucky. My assistant went and I was going to RIMS conferences. My first one was actually Louisville in 2014, and I really enjoyed that. It was a really good conference. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you both for your stories there. So today we are talking about Ermia's risk inventory. And we've had this tool as part of our toolkit, I guess, for the last few years. And Lou was actually tasked this year with creating a task force and kind of revitalizing the risk inventory, having a kind of a group of peers review it. So Lou, can you kind of walk us through what what your group looked at and some of the improvements that that you put into the tool? Sure. Basically, our our task was to, you know, upgrade and revise the risk inventory to make it a little bit more usable for our membership. And so we started out and we asked the task force members, uh, we had 10 people on the task force, and we asked them how they used the risk inventory and various people made various uses of it. There were actually a couple of people on the task force who had not previously used it. And they said, well, gee, I don't know if I'll be you know, very helpful to the task force. And we said, no, that's great. We need somebody who maybe hasn't looked at it before and uh, can give us some input from, from a new user's viewpoint. So the first thing we did was we, we wanted to do a survey of the entire membership and find out how they were using the risk inventory. And we were surprised to find out there were a lot of people who didn't even know that it existed, unfortunately. So we figured that one of our major tasks was to make people aware of it. And so then going from there, we went through, we looked, you know, at the, at, at the risk inventory itself and made some suggestions on how it could be improved. We looked at perhaps changing platforms, but we really decided that the most usable platform was to leave it as an Excel spreadsheet and and go from there. That would would make it most usable for the largest number of our members. So do you want me to go into some some of the changes that we've talked about, or is that the next step? Yeah, I do. And just, I mean, I'd, I'd love to just give a little definition. So in when you open up the risk inventory, it says the risk inventory worksheet provides a list of risks common to colleges and universities, organized into 23 groups and sorted into five risk areas. So for anybody who's listening who who doesn't didn't have any idea what it looked like and you haven't opened it up, I'd encourage you to log into your ERMI account and download it. And um, we'll definitely have a link right to it into the show notes. But yeah, keep going, Lou, and tell tell us about tell us a little more about that. 
Okay, well, the risk inventory currently contains some 305 risks that are, as you said, divided into five classifications, strategic, operational, reporting, compliance, and reputational, and then further broken down into the 23 categories. And those 23 categories, I'm not going to name all 23 of them, are things like property, public safety, technology, things like that so that you can sort your risks into different areas as you're trying to analyze them or split them up among departments within your institution. And the intent of the risk inventory is to be continually updated. And the way we do that is whenever any of our members uh, have a, a risk that they have identified that they don't find on the risk inventory, if they uh, let us know about that risk, or if they see something that maybe needs a little further description in some of the risks that are already there, if they let us know that, we will upgrade it immediately. So as we said, as part of the strategic plan, the uh, task force was appointed to review the risk inventory and make recommendations. And where we're headed with that is that it looks like we're going to add several tabs to the Excel worksheet. One of the things that we used to do, and it was a separate document, which really didn't make a lot of sense. We needed to let people know what the changes were to the risk inventory since the last time they had looked at it. And so that was a separate document, which was kind of a little bit unwieldy. So we decided to add that into the same document. So when you open the risk inventory, you'll be able to see what new risks have been added or what changes if we've taken any risks out. Interestingly enough, I noticed that over time, we've never moved to <laughs> risk. And uh, then we've added several additional tabs to the Excel workbook uh, to hopefully make it a little more usable for people. We've got a pivot table that allows you to divide, look at the risks in, in the various categories. And then we've, we've made a couple of other pivot tables where you will be able to open that pivot table and then list the risks that pertain to your institution rather than having to try and deal with all of them. If, for instance, if you don't have a medical center, you may not care much about the medical center risks, so you can easily sort those out from the rest of the risks that you do have at your institution. And then you have a lot of flexibility to do whatever you'd like with it that makes it more usable for you. If you want to divide it up, risks among departments, say, send athletics, the athletics risks and the you know student affairs, the student type risks, uh, that's very easy to do. That's, that's terrific. So Brian, I know that you are a user of the risk inventory. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've used it or any idea or any, you know, kind of practices that people could consider using it? Sure. And, I, and you know, I've used it a couple of different ways. So I'll go into each way. You know, it, it, it's first nice to have a, a curated list, an updated list of all of the risks that higher education faces. You know, I'm a generalist by nature. I, you know, I don't have any depth of knowledge whatsoever. <laughs> a friend of mine who became a general counsel at one point said, you know, I said, you know, what's a general counsel? This is many years ago. And they said, well, 
says, I'm a practicing attorney and I focus my practice on, you know, labor relations. And he says, so in labor relations, my depth of knowledge is a mile deep. But as, as, as it relates to the rest of the law, it's about an inch wide. And he <laughs> says, but now as a general counsel, I have to develop a, a base of knowledge that's a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And I think risk managers have to think of this, think of that in the same way. And we're often faced with, with areas where we don't know much. You know, we know enough, but we don't know much. And so I've used a I've used a risk inventory before as a way of broadening my depth of knowledge. You know, I'm going to go talk to somebody in the finance department, and I, I've worked closely with finance, but I don't know much about research funding. So. I go in and I look at the risk assessment, uh, the risk inventory, and I start looking at the categories under the risk factors for research funding, you know, and that get, that not only broadens my knowledge of that category and gives me, you know, some ability to go in and maybe do a little more research on uh, timely closeout or, or retaining faculty or, you know, what that means in the research world. But it also gives me the ability to know when I have to bring in a drilling rig to get a mile deep in an area when I'm talking to somebody about those categories. Love that analogy. That's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks. That's not my analogy, believe me. So and, and it's great to be able to, you know, have this inventory to learn from others. You know, everybody has populated this with different factors and things like that. More recently, when I came to Wentworth, I started thinking about a risk assessment, an enterprise-wide risk assessment, one of the things I was charged with. And as I, as I looked at the risk inventory, you know, I, was, my, I wanted to get a lot of information from a lot of different people in a very short amount of time to really create that risk assessment. So I worked with our institutional effectiveness folks to create a, a survey on a, on a tool called Key Survey. And, and it's really uh, it's really divided into you know seven or eight categories, and you know it, it's it, it's intended to go out to deans, directors, and department heads. So as a broad base of, of individuals out there, I don't have time to you know I have informational sessions on this video on this uh, ass assessment. I also have videos on this assessment. But the other thing that I have is I have the categories from the, the risk inventory. I use the risk inventory as a foundation for that risk assessment. And I, I went through it. And like Lou said, we don't have a medical center. I got rid of that risk. And I really refined the risk. And I, I found other areas where, you know, Wentworth has a program that's called EPIC, externally collaborative. EPIC, C is for collaborative. E is for external. P is for, you know, uh, uh, program-based or, or practical experience, I forget, but, you know, and, and that we, I needed to represent that in there. So I added that to the survey and, and really refined this list to represent Wentworth's risks. And then, you know, by adding the risk factors, when a person went in to look at a risk area, to rate a risk area one to five in likelihood, one to five in impact, they're looking at something like product liability. And that might mean something to some of them, but not anything to the, everybody else. So they were, they were given the ability to look at what those risk factors were. And I further refined the risk factors, but this was a great foundation. It really expedited the work I had to do on that assessment. That's great. I, I hadn't heard anybody to use it quite like that. We've taken this tool on the road in presentations over the last few years. And I mean, a lot of people use it as a conversation starter, you know, like let's talk, you know, like, let's talk about these 10, 10 areas, you know, where are you on this and kind of a check-in just to open a dialogue. So that, that really sounds good, Brian. And it, 
I, I think it really worked well. I mean, you know, when you're see, talking to senior leadership and they're asking you where you've come up with the, the, the categories for your risk assessment, you have a, you have a base in, in, in a great organizational knowledge. And so it, it really helps you sell that risk assessment. That's terrific. So Lou, when you, when you heard Brian's example there, I know with, with your task force, did you, did you hear of any, any other examples of how people use it? Well, there were several that were kind of along the lines of, of what Brian was talking about. One of the things that, that occurred to me, I was wishing after I discovered the risk inventory that it had been invented a little bit earlier because I really could have used it in about 2012 and 2013 at UK when we were implementing our ERM program. That would have been a great basis to use to send out to uh, the various departments to have them identify their risks. We wound up having to do that from scratch, which made it a lot more difficult. So if the risk inventory had been around at that time, it would have been great for me. That, that, that would be really helpful. I mean, enterprise risk management is just that. So I know I'm looking at the the new version of the risk inventory on my screen right now, and I know aesthetically it's it's really attractive. And the pivot tables that you you mentioned earlier, I don't want to intimidate anyone. They're really easy to use, and I, I'm not an Excel expert, but I I I like pivot tables because it helps you you know get to the information that you want. And you know if it's not useful for you, you can you can turn that off as well. I mean, I think the aesthetic updates to it and the instructions are really nice. So I would urge people that have used an older version to always look for the newest version. Brian, it looks like you want to add something in. No, I was just <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> I haven't um, seen this version. so. Yeah. The, and Lou, do you want to talk about the four newest areas of risk? I don't think you mentioned them by name yet. Did you? No, no, actually, I didn't. We we added. We are adding. They're not in there yet. They'll be in the new version as soon as it's uh, out, which should hopefully be shortly. We added esports as a risk, and we let me just make sure I get all of them here. We had uh, business incubators as a new risk that wasn't on the old old list, and robots, which were not on there and facial recognition technology. So those are being added to the new one. And what I'm hoping is one of the changes that we made about a year ago was we used to keep all of the various versions of the risk inventory in the library. And we decided that that was really counterproductive because in the newest one, we were telling you the changes. So we removed the older versions and archived them and we're only keeping the latest version in the library. So I'm hoping as we move forward, we'll put this new version in, especially since it looks so much better than the old version. <laughs> and so the, the one that will be there is the latest version, and it will only be one document, which will include the changes and everything all in one document. So if people have suggestions to add to the risk inventory, would you suggest they reach out to you, Lou, and tell you about those? Absolutely. And we'll make sure we act on them immediately because that's, you know, in everybody's best interest. Well, any closing comments on, on the tool? I, all I have to say is, you know, I mean, contribute, you know, everybody's knowledge is important. And if we don't have everybody's input, we don't have a full, a full 
perspective of what the, what, what the risks are. And this is a community that's designed to help each other. So I would just encourage everybody to take a look at this and contribute if you see something that's missing. Yeah. I, I oh, Go ahead, Lou. I was going to say, and just as, you know, to, to let people know what's going on with the risk inventory and as we roll it out, hopefully this podcast will be very helpful to people. We'll also do some other promotion of the risk inventory and so have some instruction on actually how to use it. So that look for that too. That'll be coming out very shortly. Terrific. Well, thank you so, so much to Brian Burns and Lou Drapeau for joining me today on Ermia Matters. And this will be a wrap. Thank you. You're welcome. It's nice to be talking about something new. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> the Ermia Matters podcast is brought to you by the University Risk Management and Insurance Association. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on any podcast app. And while you're there, we'd appreciate it if you'd give us a five-star review. And be sure to visit www.urmia.org. That's www.urmia.org to check out our wealth of online resources. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.